1: Titterpigs, the RPG podcast. (laughs) Am I getting paid for this one?
0: All right, listeners welcome back to another episode of titter pigs I believe if our count is right this is episode 14 the big one four mm-hmm. um holy hell Scott we have made it this is what we are past the seven year itch the seven year times two itch
2: mm-hmm. and um I can't believe we made it this far we only have 30 more to go before you know other people consider us a real podcast yeah we're not we're not a real podcast yet as my nose grows Right. And, and that's that's coming from fellow podcasters. Who, I know, you know. I know. I mean, it's, it's that support in the podcasting community is tremendous. Uh, what do we do without them? Um. As, yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> uh, well, listeners, Scott and I are back in the studio again. This time we have a special guest with us that's going to hang out and mm-hmm. chat with us. Uh, Scott, mm-hmm. would you like to introduce
2: our guest? Absolutely. So. Who we have today uh to chat about his experience and tips with convention gaming is Josh Burnett, uh, aka Bernie the Flump, uh, correct on Twitter. And he is also of JLHB Polytechnic, uh, which is one of the um, one of the companies he publishes his Game Other, and the other is Hex Games. You can find his stuff. On Goodman Games website, you can also find it on DriveThru. They there will be links in the description. But uh, yeah, so let's give a, a round of applause for Josh Burnett. <laughs> hello, 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 hello! Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's it's a pleasure to, to to finally get you on and have you talk about something that you know that's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Um. Just just a quick quick side note. So, uh, Josh and I know each other. Uh, we met through um. Uh, an online game that started. God, it's been almost three years now. I think gotta um, be something like that. Yeah, something like that. Have you guys really been playing that that game that long?
1: Not that game consistently. We've, but still, it's only been like two or three different games.
2: Right, but wow, but the same group. Uh, same group. Same, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had a couple of people drop out just for a minor amount of time due to work or personal things, but for the most part, everyone has. Kept together and uh, we just, you know, everyone just kind of gelled and, you know, we've been running that Ash campaign, the Hyperborea campaign for a long time and transitioned into the Isle of Dread uh, with, uh, you know, Andy Markham, our our fantastic game master. I'm sure people listening know Andy very well. Uh, You also saw him on the other episode when he when he discussed one of his many passions uh, being zines. And uh, yeah, so been wanting to get you on for some time, Josh, to, to have a chat. And, um, yeah, this this kind of seems like something that's, you know, right in your wheelhouse. I personally, yeah. I didn't know that you had that kind of experience. You know, we had a little chat at Gen Con and you've been doing convention gaming for a long time now.
1: Yeah, and, since I was 16, I want to say. Oh,
2: my God. You got me. Uh, <laughs> uh, wow, that's that's I that's I, I I haven't even had a job that long. Uh, let alone be, be be committed to well, I take that back. My, my, I haven't either. <laughs> um, so but uh, you know, for those who aren't familiar with you, Josh, let's um let's 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 turn the wheel of time back a little bit and uh you know have you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. So what got you into role playing games?
1: Uh so I was vaguely aware that like Dungeons and Dragons was a property of some sort not that i would have used the word property but like it was a, a thing a game something uh because i grew up in the satanic panic but i was also just kind of in a cultural dead zone mm-hmm. but i knew like dnd was a thing and i knew it was familiar with the cartoon and i knew like my uncle vaguely i knew played dnd but that was i kind of conflated it with uh war games don't really think much about them uh because actually I was, I was a sci-fi boy not a not a fantasy fan mm-hmm. um until uh, there was an ad on the back of one of the Archie comic versions of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> There's an ad and I was obsessed with the turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been right throughout age, but there was an ad for the TMNT another strangest role-playing game by Palladium. And I'm like, Oh, that's a, that's some kind of play and make-believe thing with turtles, which you know, I love. Uh, so let me uh, send my 10, 15 bucks, whatever it was off the palladium and uh yeah i start with that i'm in a weird outlier group that i i'm i was entirely self-taught on role-playing games i didn't have like some other group i came in to play with although i quickly found out from the friends i recruited in school that like some of them were like familiar with D, but i played it felt like i played turtles for years although in retrospect there's probably like a year maybe two mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that switched into uh Actually switched into the Batman role-playing game, the little streamlined uh very cut-down version of DC Heroes that they put out when uh Tim Burton's Batman came out in 89. I played that for a little bit and then I went s- straight in the champions. Wow. At age <laughs> what, 14, 15. So everything since then has been really easy. Um <laughs> I I would expect
2: uh starting off with Not just Palladium, but Palladium uh, TMNT. Oh, we uh,
1: totally did not understand the rules. Probably the most pure (laughs) role playing hack. They're like, you know, I rolled a hit. All right, you hit. Uh, All right, did I mention I was shooting him in the face? I'm like, oh, well, you shot him in the face. He's clearly dead. Don't bother rolling. It's you get shot in the face. You're dead.
2: (laughs) Oh well, the good news is fear uh, of
1: the mind. Yeah.
2: The the good news is is though uh, I'm sure there was a uh, well documented index for you to refer to as there are in many Palladium games. So you know you could have used. Wait, never mind. Um.
1: That's for another episode. <laughs>
2: um. So, yep. There. Wow. Is that the original one?
1: That's my original one with the uh, taped background and just our taped spine. And oh my god, uh, there's so many like <laughs> rules we penciled in because like, well, that didn't make sense. Wow. What,
2: what? What we should do, just you know, for the list for the listeners, he held up a really beat up old original copy of uh, that was the first edition, too, not the their second gotta, printing, gotta be. Um, and maybe we'll get a picture of it and we'll we'll you know post it on the oh, yeah, uh, uh, on the website. There, there's but,
0: yellow uh, tape down the spine, oh, yeah, dog eared corners that are just destroyed.
1: I was the only one that cared, I was the only one that had a copy, and like in my little town of 8,000, there was no such thought of a, a role play, a gaming store. Mm -hmm. much less a comic store was just, that's, that's insane. You got to drive off to the big city of Toledo to find one of those. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Yeah. So that book got like passed around a lot within my Mm -hmm. little click. Very cool. Yeah. We took turns making characters and playing stuff. Mm -hmm.
2: So did you, I mean, being a sci-fi kid uh, rolling into superhero games, just, you know, just to kind of maybe put a little uh, bow on it. When did you discover the greatest role-playing game in the world, though? Um, Because I I know that's got to be in your wheelhouse somewhere.
1: Um, My grandparents got me one of the Dragonlance novels for Christmas. And I read that. Uh, I don't know exactly what made me decide to read that uh, versus, like, some some, uh, Bradbury or... Mm -hmm or hitchhiker's guide for the 50th time. Uh, but I read this uh, time of the twins. I'm like, Hey, this fantasy stuff's pretty all right. Of course it's the first book in the second trilogy of dragon So I didn't know anything. Um, and about that same time, like, cause I had, I had met other friends in high school outside of my immediate group that actually were D and D players. Um, and also like champions, champions segwayed into fantasy hero. Cause I actually, mm-hmm. play, it wasn't, I played the hero system, fourth editions, the book I had, uh, uh, but I played Fantasy Hero for a bit. And then eventually <laughs> uh, some of my players were like, hey, look, if we buy you second edition d d will you run it for us? I'm like, I guess so. <laughs> and so I did. And, yeah, it's, I haven't looked back. So, yeah, Excellent. second edition is really my my version of d d Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it's it's
2: I am. You know, we're of the of the same age, and you know, starting with some of the earlier versions. But my comfort zone would probably be second edition. You know, Keith and I just kind of we're, we're trying to plan a um, night below campaign just using the second oh, edition hey. rules, and but, uh, but not go, oh, go ahead. Sorry,
1: oh sorry, yeah. I, I mean, I because I came, I missed the golden age of modules, Uh yeah, um, and I got in right as like uh the uh the theater kids had taken over. Big uh, Dungeon Magazine fan in that regard. Oh. Uh, and I love the theater. And that's really probably where actually where I'm best at is the theater kid style of D&D. Uh,
2: yeah. I, I've seen pictures of you in your youth, so it makes sense. Not in that uh. time. Either. Those are non-existent. <laughs> I don't show those. I had a real bad um, caterpillar face. Oh, okay. Well, um, excellent. So. So you, you, I mean, like most of you, you, you've got a, uh, you know, you got a solid foundation, an interesting one. Uh, Keith, you can wake up. He's done talking about sci-fi and superheroes.
0: Oh, thanks. Um. Yeah, now I'm
2: back. So let's let's kind of maybe we'll we'll ease into the topic here uh, before we get into you know your your general advice. Uh, I think this will be more apt before we we roll into it uh, in depth. But uh, uh, listener Kent uh, uh, has a question for you. Uh, this is this is Kent from the uh uh University of Numenor, um, who asks, um, what was your first con and what did you run?
1: And- so my first con was Marcon in uh Columbus, Ohio. Uh, which I believe it was Marcon twenty five was the first one I went to, which I did not I don't did I run at that one? I don't know if I ran at that one, or if I ran at the second the next when I went back the next year. Mm-hmm. Um Iverwell may have run that in my teenage hubris. This is back when he had to like call up a phone number and talk to a guy who would put you on a, on like a, like a Lotus note spreadsheet at best. <laughs> uh, oh, Cause yeah, I, I saw like a flyer at a, we were in Columbus doing something and I saw a flyer at one of the comic stores. I'm like, oh, I want to go to this. Oh, and CJ Sherry was the guest of honor, which is my mom's favorite author, which is, that's why we wound up going. Uh, wow. So my parents took me. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's Marcon, I uh, so like Marcon 25, 26 in Columbus, Ohio. And I ran, uh, champions hero system, um, bunch of superheroes I wrote. Cause like every good comic nerd I had, like my own little superhero universe that I'd been drawing in my school books for, you know, X years, but I did that, uh, probably a big misunderstanding, a misunderstanding of how the rules worked. Cause again, it's champions and even, if you know, Pushing 50, I'd have a problem doing that. But, but, uh, yeah, superheroes and like a coalition of supervillains had, uh, stolen the Emerald Chalice of Kukalan. Uh, and the good guys had to go find it. Uh, yeah. And then like my small mystery, falling clues, fight scenes. Right. Uh, big, big fight at the hero- uh, villain base at the end.
2: Oh, hey, you know, that's, Nothing wrong with you know the the uh, the good old methods you know point A B and C and everyone has a good old time and you know they they definitely don't don't judge any con GMs after they walk away from the table um, that never happens uh, so yeah I'm and it led 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 on from there of course it, it, it's sarcasm people if if you can't tell in my voice uh, but um, so so fantastic it's so you since you were sixteen. I didn't and, run
1: consistently because, you know, right. I, I know, but I had that small period where I wasn't playing games at all because of, you know, bad girlfriends. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah.
2: So, so yeah. Okay. So convention gaming, That that's kind of, you know, that's what we're here to discuss. Uh. I, I know I've got maybe some questions for you and, and opinions. And then likewise, Keith, yep. uh, you know, all three of us in one consistency or another has run convention games i'm sure both you and keith have run a lot more than i have (laughs) uh but um so where would you like to begin with this i mean you know there's there's a general idea when it comes to well if i'm going to run a convention game it's gonna you know i've been running a game at my table for years with my friends and everything all i have to do is just have an adventure make sure it fits within a three to four hour time slot and everything should just go smoothly um and then after i'm done you know after everything's done and i'm throwing up in the bathroom uh because nothing went the way it was supposed to go uh obviously there's a big difference between running games at a table just generally speaking and running games for a con oh yes
1: um
2: so um where would you like to start josh as far as you know uh as we dive into this subject
1: we can start with the differences between uh home gaming and uh convention gaming okay. by home gaming i mean any game you're we playing with a your established group of people i realize in year of the lord 2022 home is a really broad term mm-hmm. um but the main thing to remember is that in with convention gaming there's a lot of rules and uh there, there's a lot of rules and uh, common knowledge that you have for home conventions that you just kind of ignore or just don't worry about in Con games like number one, you can get away with a lot more railroading when you're doing a one shot that's going to last four hours with strangers that you won't see again because you're because they signed up to play this one specific adventure. You don't have time to just, uh, you know, they decide to go east instead of west. It's like, well, look, there's nothing there. We've got we're all leaving at noon, (laughs) so you can either go to the mine where the goblins are or you can just have wasted the four bucks you spent to get here. Um, so you can do some more light railroading. Uh, you're going to be playing with strangers. So you got to be a little more just conscientious of that and what might fly at your table. Um, Just might not fly with strangers. Like it's, it's, you know, don't, don't be a jerk. Realize you're playing with people who don't maybe know your particular senses of humor. And that's a thing I had to learn the hard way. FYI. <laughs> um, I don't want to, I really don't want to get in specifics, but yeah, it's, oh, no. you need to realize like, oh, that's right. These. It's funny and caught with, you have the right context. But these people don't have the right context because they've met me five minutes ago. So, yeah. Right. Um, And also you want, you want to keep things a little, you you can't really decompress as much as you might do at a home. game. you have to kind of keep things going forward. Uh, beat by beat by beat just to get things done in a timely manner. So you don't have dangling plot threads at the end of your game also for the love of god don't do an a uh, don't run an adventure that is set in your current campaign with your current players and this is going to be some side jag because uh <laughs> i've never done that but i've been in a game with that where are like yeah this is a part of our normal campaign half the players are in my daily group so they're because then you've got people that are worried about long-term stuff versus yeah <laughs> it's right he's doing a hand you know a. a gun to the head symbol which is yeah that's entirely accurate yes
0: yeah I've run into that I've never done it myself but I like you I've been in a game where the the GM did that and I'm just like
1: I've blessedly only had it like once maybe twice yeah I'm
0: like this is a horrible experience
1: yeah (laughs) because it's
0: all of a sudden like the inside jokes are coming out and there's all this meta thing happening that Mm -hmm. I don't understand and it's like yeah I'm not really enjoying this right okay yeah it's a thing, and it shouldn't be a thing.
1: So if for good convention games, you can and probably should keep things a lot more simple. Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing a mystery, you can make the you can make the answer to the mystery incredibly simple and obvious, and play to tropes because a when the players figure out that the butler did it, they feel clever. Um, you're not spending, you're not burning time dithering. Um, this goes for puzzles too. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can have incredible. Like, I've got a puzzle for a game I'm running next weekend. It's literally tic tac toe. Um, because I've got like three and a half hours slot, and I don't need to sit there for you know forty five minutes while they try and figure out my very clever riddle. Yep. Um, you know to to move on. Yeah. Yeah. You keep things keep things simple. Right. They'll they'll thank you. They'll enjoy it. Mm -hmm.
0: I I I would like to add just because I've I've run into this myself because I've over. Estimated My players uh, don't uh, when con game versus home game, if you know the scenario that you're going to run takes four plus hours to play, do not shoehorn it into a scenario slot that you've been given for a convention. That's three, no yes. more than four hours, right? Uh, even even with some gentle railroading and some nipping and tucking and some liposuction on the scenario mm-hmm. players will be players and things even if you in your mind you've cut it down to be to nicely fit into a four-hour scenario slot chances are you haven't
1: the <laughs> right rule of thumb i go by okay and i'm probably going to slide into D just because that's the lingua franca of the yeah of the uh yep of the hobby i'm going to try and not <laughs> use examples that aren't D all the time but mm-hmm. it's like uh one act per hour, if you're breaking it down like a movie. Right. Uh, so, you know, set up for a mystery to be revelation, set up, finding clues, escalation, then resolution, that kind of thing. Uh, like one act per hour or about 20 minutes per scene or encounter. If you're setting up. Uh, if you're setting up like a, a, a set pieces and that kind of thing, maybe a little longer for like the big climactic parts of it, but I find 20 or 30 minutes per scene or encounter is pretty good estimate on, uh, on what you want to fit into your, your time slot. I'm going to assume every most conventions I've been to have been a four hour time slot. So that's the assumption I'm going to have going forward here. Um, I used to really, really worry about not filling the time and, uh, Cause people pay for, for to generally will pay to pay in a uh, con games and it occurred to me, like they're paying like a buck, maybe four bucks at max at Gen Con. Right. Um, and I would much rather have a complete adventure than a uh, incomplete one. We're mm-hmm. at hour four. You're only like two rooms in and you know, the, the, the unholy artifact is still three, three floors down.
2: I, I think most people appreciate it. At least, at least those who have been to a con a few times. Like if you wrap things up, you know, 15, 20, even 30 minutes early, they're like, fantastic. I've got time to go do something, grab a bite to eat, grab a drink. Because exactly. a lot of times people have back to back, the the back games. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't think anyone's really going to have an issue or go, you know, say, you know what? I, I paid $3 for this four hour time slot and I only got three hours and 45 minutes. Um, right. I'd, I'd like a refund. And, you know, when people are done staring at him, like, who is this person? uh, then, you know, life moves on, but, yeah. but yeah. So no, I totally agree with that. Uh, you know, f- focus on the content and, you know, manage your time within that slot, but don't, don't worry about filling it, especially if things move quicker than normal, you don't need yeah. to pad it out to the four hour time slot.
1: I have rarely uh, had to pad things out. Right. Normally I over prep and I have to maybe not cut things, but just keep things moving along or just maybe not throwing some cop, plot twists that i expected okay uh, to toss in so let's let's
2: kind of maybe um bring it in a little bit here sure. so you're going to have uh you know you, you've got some advice you've, you've got a a, a foundation you got some things i'm a new person i've i finally you know got the gumption to i'm going to run something at a con um and it's a local con it's going to be an in-person con and this is the other thing i'm going to you know like with the D thing focus more on, you know, a physical con, you know, someplace you're there as opposed to an online con, which can be a different thing. Um, so I'm, I'm going to play at, you know, uh, you know, Bob's gaming con uh, I've got maybe oh, Bob con. Bobcon. Yeah. Bobcon. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've got maybe, you know, let's just say, you know, five weeks, uh, five, five to six weeks to, to prep. What's the first thing I'm going to focus upon once I've decided I'm going to do this. Um, it's, it's, it's your standard three-day con, uh, you know, with, with time slots, you know, a, B or C, uh, Mm -hmm. for RPGs. Um, and that's, and it's pretty much whatever you want to present. So it's not specific to genre or anything, but, uh, what would be the first thing that as, you know, as a GM running to the con, you know, going to run a con that I should look for, or at least do first?
1: Um, this is kind of actually a boring, uh, administrative answer but uh see how many games you have to run if you want to get in for free see how many games or game yeah. hours or player hours you have to run to see mm-hmm. to get in free which is why i started running games at cons because i'm a i'm a i'm a poor boy mm-hmm. and uh and i could save 15 20 90 bucks depending to oh, yeah to get in uh for free by running x number of games uh so check that out that's usually right there on the gaming uh section of the website it's all websites Mm -hmm. now um but after that figure out what you want to run uh use a game uh system or just you know use a game that you're familiar with that you're comfortable with i wouldn't recommend running i've done it but i wouldn't necessarily recommend running a game for the first time at a convention i mean unless it's a game you've written i mean that's play testing i get that but like
2: not a system
1: the only ever time I ever ran Feng Shui was at a convention. I hadn't run it before. It went fine because Feng Shui is a nice easy system. But it's uh it's harrowing and 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 I actually wouldn't recommend I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> um so yeah, figure out what you want to run, a game you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um it is tempting. You have to kind of know the gaming scene in the area or at least how big the con is
2: because
1: mm-hmm. it is tempting to run some obscure i've been tempted and have tried to run at times obscure little indie games that i think are really cool but in uh in the my local t- gaming scene here mm-hmm. no one wants to play like uh primetime adventures or dogs in the vineyard at a convention uh nothing gets played except you know D, and uh shadow run oddly enough but it's okay um so kind of noticing if in a bigger convention it's what i like about gen con and bar- larger cons like that is that there's so many people there that someone is going to be interested in something you're running okay um, so yeah be aware of just what if you want to run it make sure you're going to run something that people are going you're going to have an audience for okay um at the con I'm going to next week, it's a smaller con, but I know that everyone there is just excited to play any damn thing. So, uh, no matter what I run, someone will will sign up for it. Okay. Um. So kind of note, kind of if you can, kind of get an idea about what the scene is and what's gonna what's gonna play basic marketing research.
2: <laughs> right. Right. So, well, I think this might uh another question from a listener might fit into this. Um, so we have a question from uh, from Tony. Uh, he he know. writes he writes in from the Tower of High Sorcery. Oh um, so um, specifically, he, he asks, what's your ideal table size? How many players make it too big or too small? So with that, would you recommend, you know, in the same scenario, um, should I be aware, you know, of how many people I should run or have at my table for a con?
1: It's going to vary by person to person. And sure. and game by game. Um, my maximum anymore is six, which is still pushing my general comfort level. I have ran for eight or more, and it was just for me, and it was a super powered spy game. It was just difficult to keep enough camera focus on any individual player. I find that four to five is my ideal, just overall in general for any game. Mm-hmm. uh six i think is really kind of the maximum for me to keep focus on everyone and then like a minimum of three usually just because that's that has enough uh, uh uh just diversity of skills and characters to do anything okay um, but yeah my, my, my personal is 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 six is where i usually set my my uh my limits
2: your limit your comfort zone so don't don't overextend but uh definitely make sure there's enough people there
1: yeah because again Uh, you're you're this is a one-off you're not going to seize people again it's a one and done so you want to make sure everyone it's not like okay this is kevin's this is a kevin centric you know session but we'll get the Steve, you know next time you you don't don't have that option so you've got to make sure everyone gets gets their licks in
2: you do see them again. I, I've I've hidden behind corners and tables to avoid people at the vendor hall after a game many times. Um. So, <laughs> but, but okay. So yeah. So all right. Um. So Keith, you in this in our little scenario, you know, it, right? What What would you you know maybe think about the next step would be? So I've I've got my con. I I've decided I'm going to run on this particular date. I've got a you know set number of people that I'm comfortable with. Um, I've I've made i made sure that it's at one where I can you know uh trade game time for free free admission to save some money and whatnot, which is great. Um, so what what would you think might be the next thing as far as you know, and then kind of maybe you know, Josh, you can give your 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 opinion on that, or if 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 you may think otherwise.
0: You know, you got your you got your time slot, so I, I guess let me back up a second. Mm-hmm. So I've been a. I've been a game runner at a con, right? right? At cons. I've also been a con organizer. So I'm coming at things from two different perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. So more to reiterate stuff that Josh has said, you know, if you're going to run the game at a con, don't do what Josh did. Don't do what I've done. Don't do what most most con runners have done is run the game for the first time ever at a con.
2: (laughs)
1: First and foremost,
0: I ran DCC the first time ever at a con.
1: Don't ever do that. Ooh. You can run an adventure for the first time at a con, but I wouldn't recommend no, no. Sy- I ran DCC
0: yeah. the first time oh, ever my goodness, yes, at that's... a con. <laughs> now, granted, it was a funnel, yeah. so it's very, very stripped down basic rules. And right. yeah, but I did that thing. So, you know, don't do that. Um, my sweet spot on on number of players is, the f- is five. I will go to six. I've done it for as many as 10. That was bananas. Mm hmm. And that was that DCC funnel. That was crazy. Um. Yeah. Yes. Scott, your face says it all.
1: My <laughs> friend Colin used to run wrestling games, uh, big time wrestling games, uh, for like twenty people, and it was he'd do big like King of the Ring, right? Big wrestling matches with twenty players, and it was oh. amazing. But he's a he's a he's a savant. So yeah, and, well, and that's something some people that are skilled
0: maybe, at doing this,
2: and that's something that might be geared towards that, yes. that size of people right. you, you're not gonna you're not gonna run a delta green scenario with 10 people no. um no. trust me i no. i've tried uh <laughs> <I know laughs> it doesn't <you> know. work
0: <laughs> um i i would like to kind of emphasize on the no know, know the audience like i have um pitched games and had games put on a schedule at a at a convention in jacksonville florida that was not it was it was a wargaming and board gaming heavy convention but it had a very light role playing presence so i you know i put games that i wanted to run that i thought were fun that would be have a broad appeal yeah i got nothing yeah i would have one person show up for a call of cthulhu world war 1 scenario uh from no man's land i was going to run the first of the two parts i was appealing to call of cthulhu players which i knew there was going to be some there and you know, the kind of the war gaming element that I thought it would attract nothing. Yeah. Fiasco, nothing. Yeah. Um. So know your demographics, you know, basic, like Josh said, basic marketing. Um, but from the, from a con organizer perspective, I have seen people um, pitch games that they know they won't get people to sign up for. They'll pitch obscure games uh, because it doesn't matter who signs up for your games. Uh, as long as you have agreed to run whatever the set number of sessions or hours you get in for free,
1: yeah, don't be that. That's a so,
0: don't be that guy that's or, a or person, don't be a dick. The Will Wheaton yeah. rule of don't be a dick, yes, okay, yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to make a, a plea for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so don't be that person, um, but make sure, um, so once you've got your game and Make sure you know you know what time slot you're playing in or you're running in, then make sure you're prepared for that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the next evolution in this kind of chain of events, right? You right. know what you're running, you know what time slot you're running in. Now make sure you're prepared for that game. you've you've read your module, you know your mm-hmm. basic rules. Um, you need to be prepared to explain those basic rules. You don't have to know all the nuance. You're not ready to teach all the nuanced rules to to the people, to the players because, you expectation is you should have you should expect that everybody coming to your table is a newbie; they've never played the game before. Hope hope for the best right. that everybody's a veteran player, but expect that everybody's a newbie. Um, and keeping that f- foremost in your mind, be prepared to explain basic rules to get through the scenario because people are in general are paying to play that game. Um, but be prepared um, to run your game. Right. So that leads me into my next question for Josh is Josh, what do you do to prepare you're at that point? How do you prepare to bring that game to your players at the table?
1: I'm a big fan of uh, cheat sheets for players. Uh, I'll often have them stapled to the character sheets. I'll get to that in a second, but mm-hmm. basically just a one page half page rundown of the very basic mechanics, roll this, add this to do this type of things. Um, just to make sure that you know everyone knows especially if it's a uh, game basically if it's not dnd or maybe call of cthulhu i'm assuming everyone has going to be brand new to the game but yeah so any game it's like this is here's the very basic engine that the game runs on and then everything uh, comes off of that so they have something they can cheat i've done that as just cheat sheets on the sh- on the character sheets i've had table tents that have had the same thing that also uh, work really nice. And are a neat little artifact too. Um, kind of the corollary of that is I'm a big advocate of uh, pre-gen characters. Don't unless it's something like Into the Odd where character creation literally takes three three minutes. Have pre-generated characters. Do not waste table time putting the characters together. I'm a big fan nowadays of half-gen characters where. The character is like 75, 80% made, but there are still choices the care the players can make. Like so maybe you've got like the class and stats for your for this ranger all set out, but there's like a handful of skills that they can freely choose. Right. Just to put their own little their spin or, or their name even or their look, you know, just so they can put their own little personal spin on it. Um That's so cool. you're not yeah, you're not spending Gobs of time doing character creation, but there's still some little, uh, some little personal touches they can add to it. Mm-hmm. Um, if the characters have special powers or spells or thing, good lord, make sure you have those uh, printed <laughs> out and staped, stapled to the character sheet. I make little bundles like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for your own, no, yeah, make sure you have uh, whatever notes you might need. Mm-hmm. You might not, ne- uh, if you need the book, there are some games I've run enough. I don't need to carry the book around anymore. Uh, or if it's like DCC, I-, I can run with just the little, uh, the little, uh, quick start rule book. Um, when I'm running quags, I can do that off the top of my head because I've run that for 20 plus years, <laughs> uh, 20 almost 20 long, long darn time. Give um, rage. <laughs> but yeah, make sure you have, a uh, All the rules you need to run it with. Um, I've gone through a lot of spiral notebooks that way. I've got my Chromebook now, which is amazing for that. Make sure you bring your power cord for your Chromebook. That's also good. (laughs) Touche. Make sure if your background, uh, your desktop image on your Chromebook is anything scandalous. (laughs) If you want to change that. It's the little touches. (laughs) It's the the little touches. It's the little personal touches. right? Make
0: those con games a memorable experience for those those youngsters.
1: And then I'm, I'm a big fan of um, I will bring pencils. I will bring dice. I don't know why people come to gaming conventions without dice, but I always have my little pencil box of community dice. I'll usually go to Kroger or whatever and buy like a pack of, pack of uh, mechanical pencils. Um, oh, sticky name tags are nice, the high my name is. So you put your character name on that with a sharpie, slap it on your chest. And now you know, like, oh, that's uh, uh Grendale, the elven wizard. There it is. Perfect. Um, so you can tell at a glance who everyone is.
0: Nice. I, I never thought about the the name, the high my hello my name is name badges, the sticky ones. Yeah. I've always done like little table tents.
1: Those are great yeah. too. Um I find the name badges are more portable. Fair and yeah, require fair. less prep for me.
0: I'll and then
1: people find them people find them amusing. <laughs> it's yeah. the other thing. <laughs> I'll have to keep that in mind.
2: Nice. So, so you kind of, right. So you, you've got your, you've got the core down of the game that you're going to run. So we'll just, mm-hmm. once again, we're going, we'll use D and D. So you, you, you've got some cheat sheets. Um, You know, you've, you've, you know, you've copied over the cheat sheets one way or another. You've got these wonderful little handouts. You've got all of the materials that you need for you and your players to run the game, dice, pencils, you know, notes, if they need them and whatnot. And then, comes next i would assume at this point is deciding what you actually want to run is that is would that be the case or is there any more prep involved that you think would be necessary before you get to that point
1: uh once you figure out the game you want to yeah clearly you want to figure out exactly what you want to run with that game um i mean you'll want to do that before you make characters obviously right right. but i would hope so (laughs) yeah uh yeah so figure out what you want to run uh pre-jet Years ago, I would until recent years, it confounded me how people ran pre gen game, uh, like published modules at conventions. Cause, like, why would you want to play in this game that you're familiar with? And then once I got in the OSR, that just (laughs) it's like, oh no, people (laughs) love to play, uh, you know, uh, uh, Caves of Chaos, even though they played it a dozen times before. So, so what do I know? Uh, so yeah, if you're, if you're, so I would nowadays I would suggest running whatever you're comfortable with. If, you, if, if you're a write my own adventures type of GM, then then go ahead and do that. If you're uh I only run modules, go ahead and do that. But again, be advised. See previous points about uh, length and timing mm-hmm. and what is good for a four-hour, you know, four-hour time slot.
2: Okay. Would you would you recommend if you're able to Running through it with, if you have some friends, some players, you know, to see if you it's
1: in a, in an ideal world, yes, but that I feel it's is rare, unrealistic, right? Um, yeah, if you happen to be running, if you've got the option to do it, then sure, do it because I mean that's that's more gaming you're doing and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a weird spot because a lot of what I run at conventions is stuff I will eventually publish nowadays. So I've probably many stuff I've run already. Um, but, uh, no, in general, yeah, if you can run ahead of time, great, but I I don't believe that should be an expectation of for, for anyone. That's just, we're, we're in a busy world that's on fire and we're adults with jobs and (laughs) cars and TVs. Yes. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, Keith, you, um, in your history of running con games, uh, where do you tend to lean more published adventures or creating your own for, uh, Uh,
0: a little bit a little of both, but um, when I'm running some of the bigger classic games, I will, you know, d d Call of Cthulhu, DCC, I'll tend to run um, existing modules, right? Just because a lot of them are built, um, not a lot. I shouldn't, let me back, let me dial that back a little bit. Not a lot of them, but some of them are built to be con games. They work yeah, well in right. a four-hour slot. So I will gravitate towards those. Like I was reading a module or a scenario today for like Delta green sweetness. Mm -hmm. That is a really short scenario that would work great as a con game. Um, It could probably be done in three hours. Right. At the long end of the spectrum, I think. So some things naturally lend themselves to be good con games. Mm -hmm. Others, not so much. You're not going to run the minds of Fandelver for D and D and no, in a con game, four hour slide, just not going to yeah. happen. Oh. Um, But then you have other games more in the indie scene that that lend themselves to it because they're a little free flowing their 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 story forward, their narrative focused like Fiasco or Fiasco is you know, a
1: great con game. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Or things that are powered by the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. morkborg
1: I mean, yeah, <laughs> I
0: mean, Markborg can can stay well within that four hour constraint or well exceeded just depends what you want to do with it.
1: Rotback back wow. sludge is a great one shot. Oh yeah, it's yeah just absolutely, the right, just the right size.
0: Yeah, it's perfect. Per- fits perfectly. Let uh, me toss you g- for a bunch let, of tired people in England. Let me
1: toss you guys a question because I'm actually still trying to figure this one out. Okay. okay. Um, for a convention game, I guess as a player more than a GM, mm-hmm. uh, would do you enjoy more several shorter encounters or scenes or one or two just big large mega scenes? Maybe not more than two, like two or three, because so I've run into that recently with just like, oh, we jump right into this, and this whole four-hour slot is covered with two, like maybe three, big set pieces, and then that's okay. a, and it I, was cool,
0: but it was just weird to me. All right, I'll and, and I'll dude. jump in. Scott looks like he's pondering, so I'll jump in. Yeah. Um, it, for me, it's going to depend on what what game it is. Yeah. So right. Um, I love convention games that start in Media Res. Mm-hmm. Right. I love jumping right into the action. Oh, yeah. I don't care if it's an investigative game, if it's a fan high fantasy game, if it's a really dark, gritty game. It doesn't matter what it is. I like starting right in the middle of the action. It could be right in the middle of a battle. Bam, the camera pans, you know, you know, we fade from black into the into the light, and we're in the middle of a combat, and that's where we start. Or mm-hmm. the combat has just ended and this we're in the aftermath of it and it goes. Um and that sets, for me, that, that sets the tone. Um, so a couple of nice set piece events. I don't want to say encounters because it depends on the type of game. Yeah,
1: that's uh, yeah, scenes or whatever.
0: Right, scenes. A couple of nice set piece scenes with some smaller, like, connecting interlude scenes. I like that with, like, kind of a, a culmination scene at the end is is nice. Um Again, I like that three act structure with some interlude interludes in between. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's all about getting the timing right. If you right. If, if, if the yeah. timing isn't right, um connecting the dots, then you're gonna bust that four hour window, three and a half to four hour window. Mm-hmm. Um but if you run the the bigger fewer but larger set pieces scenes one thing was
1: like it was three fight scenes that each took like an hour Ooh. and they were cool I mean the fight was the between the setup and the GM the the site fights were dynamic that it wasn't a slog but it was just like wow there's nothing it was just three fight scenes back to back to back hmm. see I'm the
0: kind of player I would rather get into the narrative I'd rather explore the story and the narrative than the fight um, i agree so i as a player tend to f- i tend to go look for those those types of games more so like i i will almost never sign up for a DD game at, at a convention or a pathfinder game um but that's but that's keith i'll play right, dcc yeah. because i like dcc dcc
1: and they're gonna see some wild shit
0: yeah, yeah, I know it's going to be a little. Like... Even
2: even if the battle runs an hour, you're still going to witness some wild shit. It's just yeah, it's not, not exactly. gonna be six
1: goblins in a room. Right. It's going to be like it's going to be, but manifestation of lost time versus right. a yeah.
0: You know, I might see a spell <clears throat> duel in there. I'm not going to see that in in Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder. No. But again, it's expectations and and what I'm looking for in a game. Yeah. So that that's my take for what it's worth.
2: So yeah, so I I'm going to say. I prefer both, but I think this is going to come from, you know, the perspective, not me, but someone who is experienced with running a con game, because uh, I think, and we'll probably get into this a little bit more later, but, you know, prep, choosing your adventure, um, you know, all, all those things that kind of, for lack of a better term, it's just, you know, the substandard thing. You're going to follow these things no matter what, uh, if if you're, you know, if you're somewhat of a decent GM running a con game, but other things to be made aware of, like the in-media res thing. I enjoy that too, but uh, I think that particular method would be something to consider if you're running a late game, a game late in the day, because if you're running a game late in the day, more than likely you're getting a group of players who might be dragging their ass. It's been a long day. They've already been in several games. They've been wandering the trade hall floor, whatever they've been doing. (laughs) I know what you're referring to. Yeah, they're at the tail end of of the day. And if you're going through a long narrative before you get into the nitty gritty of your adventure, you may have some people drifting, not focusing and uh, unable to pay attention. But you start in media res, you're going to get that blood boiling right away. And some people who may may be tired are going to snap too. They're going to focus more initially Whereas you might lose them, uh, you know, in, in a different structure. Uh, but I'm like you guys also. I I personally prefer the the mixture of the, you know, the narrative, you know, structure, the three act. You know, let's 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 build up, have an encounter, and that encounter leads to something else, and then we'll build up to another encounter and move through it. But with the one you you mentioned, in my opinion, that leads to another thing um, when you are preparing to write your blurb. For your adventure you know what's what your selling point is for your game i don't feel there's anything wrong when it comes to a con game to maybe uh give away some of what you're doing yeah hey this particular game is one where there's it's going to be focusing it's going to be battle specific and this is what you know is going to go this is what's going to happen we're going to have battle to battle to battle to battle something like that i mean you're going to word it differently but what that's going to do is it's going to cause people who aren't into that to look elsewhere and people who are really into that are going to sign up for your game you know with excitement because and they're going to show up ready for that and and it's not going to be a surprise to them um yeah. so yeah
1: blurbs are important actually that's another bullet point i had that goes along with registering and signing up games is uh let your blurb and you're going to be limited on how many words you can use uh depending on your app but Use your blurb wisely to tell the care the players what what kind of characters are going to be playing and what they're going to be doing. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. so there's so people aren't surprised and or disappointed when they sign up for one thing and get another. Like you are going to play, you know, uh, time agents, and you're going to be traveling to three different eras to go track down renegade serpent men mm-hmm. or something like that. That's so you know. The players know what's uh what they're gonna be doing and what to expect um don't i mean don't spoil or don't like really get too precious about you know quote quote spoilers spoilers yeah right Uh, let yeah let them know what they're getting into because then you're going to attract the kind of players that want to be there uh, on top of everything else right
0: well that goes to the marketing you know it's Mm -hmm. again know your Demographics and this come, this is this is Keith, the con organizer and the con game runner, play mm-hmm. GM. You know, it's it's know who you're marketing to. You know, if you if you want people that are excited or interested, at, at least baseline interested in your game, you know, you 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 need to appeal to them. You know, I was trying like my example earlier when I was telling you I was trying to appeal to. Call of Cthulhu players and war gamers that w- might be interested in a world war one themed game at a war gaming stroke board gaming with a little bit of RPGs thrown in uh, event in Jacksonville, Florida. I pitched it that way. Right. Um, there just wasn't enough interest. I didn't have enough players to even make it a go and had to sack the game before I could even start it. Unfortunately, but it's all about the the pitch.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you have to have a good elevator pitch. And and like Josh said, don't worry about spoilers. I mean, th- don't give away everything. Don't tell them they're gonna go fight you know, have a have an encounter with Azathoth or, you know, right. this big bad, you know, uh DemiLich or or whatever it is in your in your scenario, but you know, if you're going to go time hopping, tell them they're going to go time hopping. Right. People are interested in that or not interested in that kind of thing,
2: mm-hmm. um, or, or even you know, this is an adventure which leads to this to this, and the and it ends with the culmination of you're fighting a big bad guy. Which, if you're a five E player, you know that there's going to be at least an hour and a half or longer, you know, moment of combat in the story. So they 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 are aware of that, and that's I mean that may be too much for some people, but. You know, right. I, I do believe, and we've, we've said it before a key, key thing in, in running a con game is time management, not just yours, but the people at, at your table too. Um, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, that they are willing to invest in something like this that's going to hold their interest. A uh, classic example was I was at a con, and as cool as it sounds, Running a Call of Cthulhu, Cthulhu horror game that starts at midnight sounds fantastic. Not if it's a long, strung out investigation with no action. And suddenly you're looking at your clock or your watch, and it's, yeah. Felt like five hours went by, <laughs> yeah, but and it's only been 40 and you're like oh, 40 no. minutes in and somebody's snoring. Yeah, this would have been fine at two in the afternoon. But at midnight, oh, my God, we're all just just, you know, trying to be as as nice as possible to just make it through. But, uh, yeah, that's so, yeah, think uh, time, you know, time is also something to consider, uh, you know, when you're when you're dealing with your game, I think. Uh, as far as right. the time slot is concerned. So,
0: so Josh, to so to follow along with this question, you so we got a game, we're running a game and you know what you're you're running at the table, you've pitched it well, you've got a group of players at your table. You're in the middle of your game and our next question comes from everybody's favorite GM Andy. Everybody loves Andy. I love Andy.
1: You, Andy. Yes, <laughs> he's lovable. Uh, he is.
0: He's a lovable guy, um, but Andy asks, "How do you handle?" And, and this has always been a a thing that I I contend with both as a as an organizer and a game master. Um, how do you handle problematic gamers at at a convention table in real time? And by problematic, he he at, he specifically points out by, I mean rude, obnoxious, scene hoggers, inappropriate comments, rules lawyers, and and the like. Um, and this doubles. So before you answer, let me let me let me throw this in there too. this doubles with another uh, listeners um, ask uh, James Drucker, uh, who is getting ready to. He's a organizer, one of the organizers for CamCon mm. in Kamloop, uh I think they're in British Columbia, Canada. James will tell me uh, he'll slam me if I'm wrong. He's um,
1: Canadian. He's Canadian. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's Let know in the comments, <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but he's been asking us since he knew we were going to have you on the show, you know, some some practical advice uh, for him, for his GMs um because he's running the the game convention happens in two weeks, right. so um, and this is one of those things that can be can be really helpful to him and to his his cadre of GMs,
1: so uh, blessedly, I haven't had too many problem players although I've had some um, so this probably comes from my this, this isn't going to be the best advice but for just given I'm a wishy washy midwesterner uh, who hates conflict so part of it is if if you can suffer through it for depending and it, it's all on levels if you can suffer through it for three hours like Thanksgiving dinner and it's just someone being irritating rather than offensive Mm -hmm. Right, just just suffer through it and go and and move on. Uh, Again, I'm a parochial Midwesterner, so that's just my basic standard. Um, Some of our feisty East Coasters might have a different opinion on that. Yeah,
0: see, I'm an East Coaster.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah. Scott's pointing (laughs) at me. (laughs) I'm a I'm a Midwesterner. I'd hate to cause a scene. Good lord, could you imagine (laughs) something any so terrible? So if they're seeing hoggers, the best thing to do is, I mean, and this is just something you do as a, as just being a good GM in general and anything is uh, swing the focus to maybe more of the quieter players and say, you know, what do you do? This is happening. What's your, I mean, not throwing the other person on the bus, but like, okay, so that guy just spent 10 minutes monologuing to the, uh, the Archduke. Mm Mm-hmm. So you swing that, like, okay, uh, uh, Abernathy, you've just seen, uh, Glendale, you know, giving his piece to the uh the assembled crowd. While that's happening, what are you doing? And just make sure you're swinging that focus, uh, to everyone at the table, but especially to maybe people who are a little uh, not as uh, socially forward. Um. And that goes if you're a player, too, is uh, if you're a player, right. you know, engage in the other players.
2: Right. I, I, I'd like to touch that touch on that in, in a bit. Uh, player etiquette. So we'll kind of maybe focus on that a little yeah. bit more.
1: Um, if, so. if they're being. Outright toxic or offensive. You can call them out and like, hey, that's we're trying to keep this a friendly family game. Maybe you want to tone it down a bit um and especially if you got people at the table who are notably upset you can kind of get a coalition that way you know do the whole you know we're we're <laughs> trying to do a thing and you're you're what you're doing right now it's kind of ain't cool man maybe uh maybe the gay elf trope isn't proper to be doing in the <laughs> right in the second part second decade of the 20th century 21st right. century <laughs> yeah or or the, at all? <laughs> yeah.
2: Do you have a horror story of something?
1: I, uh,
2: not not in length. If it's if it's too nothing, much, but nothing
1: just... to be honest. I've, I've been lucky enough, and I try to keep my games. I try to keep my games uh, PG or PG thirteen in general, just to okay. a because I'm gaming in public, so I'm not going to get too crazy horror games, notwithstanding, which have their own kind of special thing. But for the most part, mm-hmm. I try and keep my games pretty uh above board so they avoid anything trouble and i i have i've been lucky i haven't had too many terrible players i have had some people uh gen xers who something was not necessarily right 20 30 years ago but a comedy tropes that were common 20 or 30 tro- years ago that have not uh aged well, aged well. <laughs> <You laughs> yeah. they realized that that's not cool to do um I, I don't know what you're talking about. But,
2: you know, go, go on.
1: <laughs> sometimes, sometimes all it takes is just a rolled eyes like, "Come on, man!" Right. And they, and they uh, straighten out. Mm-hmm. Um, rules lawyers are gonna rules lawyer. <laughs> That's right. Um, that one you just kind of push through and like, well, this is a con game. We're not gonna. I'm, I'm keeping things streamlined, just because we've only got so much time. So, don't worry about the attack of opportunity if we flew that off. That's fair. Or I'm going to judge this way. I'm not always going to judge this way. Quote, quote, but I'm going to judge it for now this way is the other oh. my other favorite quote. Right. This okay, will always works. be my decision. But for now, we're going to do it this way.
2: Okay. And I think that kind of that question I- involves, I think, probably the one of the well, pretty much kind of the last step. So you're there. You're at the con. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you've you've heard stories of obnoxious scene hoggers and whatnot. So you've got that rolling around in your mind on how to deal with that. Um, so you're, you know, you're just kind of maybe prepared, you know, you never know who's going to be at your table ever. Um, but you know, your current concern though, right now is, is you're there. So setup, execution. How are you going to be dealing with these people? Um, and I'm uh, dealing maybe the wrong term, but engaging, uh, with them at the table. Uh, so what do you, what do you do now that you're there? What's, what's your process or what are you, what would be your recommendations?
1: Um, Unfortunately, uh like safety tools became kind of the uh part of the zeitgeist right before I feel right before COVID hit, and then I didn't haven't had a real big chance to experiment with those.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like I'm a fan of the X card or safety words, right type of stuff. Uh or even just approaching, it's like, hey, at the beginning again, like this is the game. It's gonna involve uh murder. There's gonna be just a, almost like a very quick session one. It's like, hey, I got. I try and keep this game PG PG thirteen. Um, there's gonna be, uh, you know, kidnapping and and murder and maybe some uh, you know, addiction scenarios in this adventure. Mm-hmm. If there's anything like that, let me know, please, and we'll avoid it. If something happens that's triggering, let me know, and we'll mm-hmm. uh. We'll work through it. I want to be a friendly table here. So, you know, give them a, a give them, you know, you know, content warnings for lack of right. anything, which, you know, we used to just call a movie rating. And suddenly <laughs> you change the name to a trigger warning and people get all triggered, get all opinion about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, man, we just call that a a rating back in the day.
2: Right. Adult
1: situations. PMRC
0: and music. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, may it may contain adult situations. <laughs> or something. Right. Um. No, but uh, again, yeah, I'll I'll let them know. Like this is what's gonna. This is kind of what the some of the tropes might be in the game. Mm-hmm. If you if it's anything uncomfortable, please let me know. Or you know if it's if you totally didn't realize that, you know, investigating child murders is gonna be part of the game. You want to nope out. Totes there. Get it. <laughs>
2: The, the, the title of your adventure was the horrible horrible cases of the child murders.
1: I mean, I ran uh, a game that was investigating child murders, and right. by because you know fairy tale monsters were being, uh, you know troublesome. Right. I did not spring that on my players. It's like no, it's Ooh. it's like no, it's there's the, something's been killing the children in the you know town of Steubensville. You guys got to go fix that.
0: Right. So when you do your pitches. Mm-hmm. um going back to the the marketing and your mm-hmm. pitches for your games do you put the that content warnings or um those labelings in the pitches
1: maybe not actually lab- called out as content warnings although uh, arguably I should but I, at least in the actual description of the pitch i will say like like I did with, uh, I can't remember, what's, it was a Hobomancer game, I can't remember what it's called, but like, you know, something has been killing the children of this town. You're there to stop it before it happens again. So, I mean, they know going in, there's going to be.
0: Right. Okay. So it's, it's worded in the pitch It's directly itself. worded in
1: the pitch. There's right bad shit's going to go down.
0: Okay. Right. So it's not like trigger warnings, XX X, and X, but it's, it's in the. And that's the not verdict. a bad
1: idea. I just haven't uh, to be, I haven't done it. And uh, it's uh, perhaps I should. Right. I, I, and the um, only
0: reason I'm asking is because I have seen it at in in vo- both virtual and real space or meet space, whatever we're calling it these days, conventions. Mm-hmm. I've seen it done both ways yeah, uh, right. in in the elevator pitches and as a supplement to the elevator pitches as content it, warnings or trigger warnings, colon and then bah, 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 bah. on a
1: on a purely artistic level, I like weaving it into the pitch just as part of the flow. Right. Uh, I certainly uh, don't mind seeing it just as just called out CW colon, uh, you know, spiders. Um, right. Uh, it's I think as long as you get it out there directly and, in, a, you know, and, you know, unmistakably, however you want right. to weave it in, I think is, is, uh, I- is fine.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that are like too long, didn't read. They look for that content warning first right. and then go read the pitch. And if you're going to um, c- Cave of cases. the Clown
1: Spiders, you probably should have a good idea on what
0: it's <laughs> yeah. going to be. Clown it.
1: Spiders? I, I, I mean, they no read idea. the
0: title and yeah. then they're like, if the title right. looks appealing, then they look at for, if it's, a, if it's a listing that has title, pitch, content warning, they're going to read the title. Mm-hmm. If the title looks appealing, they're going to read the content warnings. If that mm-hmm. doesn't um, throw them off, then they're going to read the pitch. I think it's right. a kind of a three-way yeah. sequence. Personally,
1: the problem is the short descriptions. You've only got like a, sometimes a Twitter's link of. Uh, it just depends. To put right. into it. So it's many nowadays seem like they have a short description and a long description. The long description will definitely, you know, yeah, be a little I, more upfront. Up I, um, I know,
2: I know there's going to be a few people that, that, that we you know personally that are probably going to be, you know, you know, yelling at their headphones, or whatever. Uh, because you know, as as we know, uh, the, the safety tools—not necessarily the topic itself—is touchy, but the usage of them. You know, yeah. like like you said, you have no problem with the X card. You have no problem, you know, with uh, you know drawing the veil. You know, the description.
1: I'm a big is, fan of there. lines and veils. I mean, that's right. kind of older school Vincent Baker stuff. But, older school. God lord. Right. Yeah. Uh, Vincent Baker used to be but, the new guy. But there's <laughs> going to
2: there's going to be people though who feel who feel. Differently, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, they want you know their their recommendation would be no. You need to have a detailed list of every little thing. Uh, and but that's but that, valid.
1: I, I and maybe I should. <laughs> I'm but, still learning.
2: <laughs> but then that kind of rolls into a player etiquette situation. Yes. You know, it's it, it, it sure. It's the responsibility of the the game master at a con to provide a safe environment, so to speak. You know, for you and your players to engage and have fun. But I see a lot of times that, you know, players feel that they put more of the onus of a situation like this on the GM. Whereas, like you'd mentioned, if you had just taken the time to read the description or read the title or even even if something didn't make you feel right, you know, reach out to the the GM. Because usually I would imagine when you offer up a game, do you have some sort of contact, an email address or something if someone needed to? Maybe not, but
1: theoretically, I think I've been contacted all of once
2: right uh, but,
1: before a game.
2: But I mean, still, it's, it, you know, we we are men of certain age and, you know, things, the times they are changing. And so the expectations sometimes may have gone one way and we just haven't caught up yet. And so w- w- with that, it's just it does feel like that, you know, I've, I've seen scenarios of people I've gone to such and such con game. And, you know, they didn't tell me that there was going to be jumping spiders, even though jumping spiders was in the title. Well, you know, you 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 didn't read the description of the game or you, you know, you saw that, you know, this was the 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 horrible adventure of, you know, the the hobo hobo children murders. And,
1: and then like, again, that's why at the beginning of the game, I'll do the quick little rundown like, hey, rundown. OK, I want there it, you go. I want everyone to be have we're all here to have fun. I don't want anyone right. to be distressed okay. by what happens. So, you know, here's here's what the game's going to be about there might be some uh-huh. of this there might be some of that if you uh-huh. have an issue please please yeah let, so let me know i
2: so that's part of running the game so yes set up you know readdress the game again right uh make sure that you and maybe a little bit more information when you're there more than your blurb just to make sure everyone's in on the game
1: yeah. and um, if you, i mean you can and you can check in too like especially if you're doing like a bathroom cigarette medication break in the middle Mm -hmm. it's like hey everyone's still cool everyone having a good time everything Mm good clean cool all right you don't i don't Mm -hmm. don't i don't feel you have to make a big formal deal about it just general like you know hey checking in making sure we're all cool everyone's doing good all right Mm
0: -hmm. no it's yeah i was just gonna say it's a good that that bathroom break is all you know about midway mid-session is always a good point for people to have that five to 10 minutes to decompress. If there is an issue, they can have a moment to step away and decompress or say something right. to the GM. It's always that uh, a point of like non-committal point where they can point in time where they can go, Hey, um, I wasn't cool with what just happened or, you know, without making a scene. Right. Yeah. You know, it's that time where they can, somebody can feel they can, a lot of okay. times it's a point where they can, they feel they can say something without making that scene. Because again, nothing worse than making a scene in public. The right. <laughs> right. Thing for that could happen Especially for Midwesterners. Uh, I mean, a, I I'm, I'm from New Ohio England. <laughs> it's like huh. I'm, I'm an East coaster, oh. New Englander. I have no problem going,
1: you know what? Go fuck yourself. I mean, that's just part of my vernacular. Right. Welcome to Twitter And i strongly worded letter and put it at the bottom of my desk for three months.
2: <laughs> right. When someone, when Not someone's, me. when someone says, you know what, something, oh, oh, you, oh there is an issue. Um, Well, uh, can you email it to me? Because I don't want to deal with it right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But (laughs) so, but yeah, but I mean that once again, I I know, and I think this might even be an entirely different subject, but, but back to player etiquette, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with, Hey, even if you're halfway through the game, if there's a break and you go, you know what? I don't think this is for me and I, you know, I'm just going to excuse myself and that's should be acceptable on both ends. I mean, and, um, but that's still on on the player. I mean, engagement. You know, like like you have here, execution and involvement. You know, one of the talking points you want to get to. Uh, being aware of your players. You know, you know, one person in the corner may seem a little uncomfortable, so that would be a good time to maybe you know uh, have that break and talk to them. Everyone else seems to be engaged, but you know, even for the person who doesn't seem like you know, this may not be their thing. You know, there, there's no harm in, in going, Hey, this, you know, this, I'm just going to, you know, going to bow out here for whatever reason. And, okay. you know, take that involvement. Involvement is a two way street at a convention table, I think. It's not, shouldn't all be on the GM's shoulders to, you know, corral, you know, this, this, uh, rodeo of cats at all times. It, it needs to come from both ends.
1: I've had it happen and, uh, mm-hmm. they didn't elaborate on, on why they left other than it just wasn't for them. And I I, I felt like kind of yeah, well there's felt like kind of crappy afterwards. Mostly I felt sorry that I possibly and I don't know that I did because again they right. didn't elaborate that they may have inadvertently done something that uh was unenjoyable for them. Right. But I did take that a time later on to you know assess mm-hmm. you know my actions and see what I could do to change and otherwise. And so yeah.
2: Well you would you would much rather have that then then someone telling you, "Hey, did you just see what this person at your table just posted on Twitter um, yeah, yeah. saying that they're taking exception to to your game and therefore you know something's wrong so and then you know that's that's a whole different type of
1: imposter syndrome going on. I've had that happen too <laughs> like, oh, oh no, oh no, oh, <laughs> yeah, so. no. I, I mean I've been doing this for, for a, while. a while, and like that's I mean that is how you learn and grow and? is. From it wasn't on Twitter because it wasn't a thing at the time, but still, it's from yeah, forums. But yeah, you, you, you gotta take your, you know, lumps and acknowledge where you've made mistakes. I did not engage with that because that's the last thing that needed was for me to come into that mm-hmm. stream and like defend myself, right? Uh, that's not gonna help anything. I, I took, yeah, I, I, no, but I took the valid criticism Mm -hmm. and you know assessed and adjusted you know for future right
0: well that's good at least you. and it wasn't to be
1: fair it wasn't i mean it wasn't anything horrible it was just basic uh behavior right see before you know player hogs (laughs)
0: fair fair but at least you could at least you could take the criticism whether you liked it or not yes and you know you could Take for take it for what it was worth, and learn from it. And then that's that's what's that's what being human's all about is learning from right. our mistakes, others' mistakes, everybody's mistakes, good, bad, or indifferent. Not even mistakes, just learning from others and applying those things and growing and being being a better person, and then bringing the the enhanced version of you back to the table and making everybody else everybody else's experience a better experience the next time. And then the next time it gets better and better and better.
2: So, so so you've, you've, I know we've kind of, without going too far off of the the hypothetical, Justin, maybe kind of reeling a little bit and then, you know, maybe just a couple more things, but um, so you've got your game rolling, you know, people are having a good time, um, you know, and you, you've, you've set everything up um and you're on your break time's rolling along and um you know you everything went well mm-hmm. everything went well uh, as far as you know And do you feel that something such as an assessment, you know how what I mean just not like what you think of my game everything's good but I mean if you want to improve, do you feel something such as that would benefit some people because I've se- I've seen some people do that. Um, you know, hey, you know, hop on this and tell me what you know I did. And I've even seen, you know, certain key points, you know, rate this from a one to five so I can do that. Is that too much?
1: I'll or? I'll be I've never considered that before. Mm-hmm. As a knee-jerk reaction, that sounds too much like making my fun hobby into a job. A job. <laughs> right. Uh if you're part of a demo team for someone absolutely okay. in fact i think some companies do that okay. um for me i i can't imagine doing that other than the most informal chit chat post game uh which is you like but yeah uh like a more formalized like that mm-hmm. uh maybe i can't see myself doing it because again that sounds uh onerous right
0: are you familiar with the roses and thorns model of feedback after a game no so roses and thorns as i understand them uh, i and and i forget who the kind of the initiator of it was um but i have been in game experiences that use it so roses and thorns like tell me one good thing the rose tell me one bad thing the thorn of the game i just ran oh yeah lloyd does okay. that lloyd yeah our friend lloyd uh and listener oh, lloyd. lloyd love lloyd uh, that does Lloyd's
1: sound like, a, that oh, does sound like Lloyd. a Lloyd That's thing. Right. You are right. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so Love Lloyd me. is a big, <laughs> yeah. Lloyd's a big advocate for roses and thorns. So Lloyd, every time Lloyd runs a game, he'll be like, all right, we're going to do roses and thorns. Tell me one good thing, one bad thing about the game session. It's not like tell me one good thing or bad thing about me as the GM, but it's just one good thing, one bad thing about the game session. Yeah, it could be about the rules it could be about the style of game it could be about him as the gm it could be just the game in general
1: could be anything i can see the value in that again for me that sounds too much like yearly self-assessment at my job and that's just i was just just asking i um, I am absolutely willing to be convinced otherwise on that because i can see but yeah just like oh right (laughs) so
2: Is there anything that you feel that we didn't touch upon here? You know, as far as just kind of like a general breakdown of, you know, from deciding to, to you know, run a game at the con to the conclusion of you know your game, whether it was successful or not. And you've had yeah. either bumps or hitches and you've dealt with them one way or another.
1: Uh I think we want to talk about like actual player etiquette for a little bit. Uh, okay. on the player All right. end.
2: All right. We'll we'll touch on that for for a couple moments here because we're we're about at the 120 uh God. time marker yeah, yeah i know it's yeah. well no as as clearly stated when we brought you on we we have three gents here who could babble for four hours on this uh but <laughs> oh, that, that yeah. means that means i have to edit that no thank you oh, uh nice. but uh but no but but yeah player player etiquette i think briefly i'll just kind of run down a couple things is of course you know when you're looking for a game make sure it's it's something that's in your wheelhouse look at the details of it all um you know make sure and then once you're at the table you know engage uh in 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 your gm uh you know it's there's a certain amount of um just you know general um uh oh god what's the term i'm looking for uh you know there's
0: player expectations when you get to the table like players should at least in keith's humble opinion Mm -hmm. um being from both sides of the screen here when when players come to the table uh, ideally they shouldn't be the bar fly sitting on the in the chair they should right. be they should be active participants not passive participants right. Right. they should be courteous of the of the players that's it around the table they should be respectful not only courteous that there are other people at the table uh as far as not being seen hogs right mm-hmm. uh or rules lawyering and thus becoming hogs of everybody's time but they should also be respectful of everybody around the table yeah um and everybody you know and sensitive to everybody around the table you know I, josh you made the comment about you know the, the 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 kind of the trope of the the gay elf thing in 2022 right mm-hmm. that that went away of the dodo bird in like 1980 mm-hmm. right <laughs> uh, so yeah um you know we don't need to see that at the at the con table in 2022 mm-hmm. or ever again i mean yeah
1: or anywhere (laughs) yeah or anywhere anywhere, it it doesn't
0: even in a home game um you know those those kinds of things at least from my perspective um what else can you add john so
1: make sure you're i mean feel free to like uh like try a game that you have that you're absolutely unfamiliar with or that is maybe something you wouldn't normally do but make sure you're signing up for a game that you want to play don't if you don't want to be there don't 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 be there um yeah. yeah engage with the other players especially if they're strangers uh, like when i sit down to play i like take note of the player to the left of me and the player to the right of me i mean, take note of all the players but especially the player to the left to the right and then you know figure out what they do and engage with them on that's like oh golly uh you know mr magic user like you think you might is, is there anything you can tell us about you know this strange ring that's on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. En- engage with the other play. Cause there's a, especially playing with strangers, there's a kind of a instinct to just talk with between you and the GM and not talk of anyone else at the table. Um, but, you know, make the effort. Uh, Cause that just enhances it for everyone. And especially maybe if they're quieter players and you might be a little more gregarious. Um. I was running a game at Art Gen Con a uh, few, uh, several years back and it was a sword and sorcery game. And uh, my players walked in first one was just some dude. Um, looked like you or I or anyone. And then the other five players walked in and they were all wearing business suits and luchador masks. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, this could go either way. <laughs> oh, geez. Those guys were the best players. Oh. I read. First off, they stayed in character as luchadors. The entire, like their characters weren't luchadors. Right. But like it was luchadors playing a sword and sorcery game. Nah. Uh, which immediately they had the whole brotherly comrades in arms thing down. right? But they just brought like the other guy who wasn't part of the group. They brought him in They're like, hey, good job, dude guy. All right. That's an awesome move hey let's see what this guy could do <laughs> it was that is awesome it was amazing
2: <laughs> right
1: that is uh, great
2: so yeah so pot you can bring positive energy to the table and almost be a scene stealer without actually stealing the scene if you're bringing the whole table into that uh and not just you know hoarding it for
1: yourself the kind of That's, guy people like to play yeah you know, they're the kind of person people want to play with and right Scott, make and then of we'll that talk about you Con on a podcast year. ten years later.
2: Luchador, yes, well, I just, I just want that in my everyday life. I just want to show up at my IT job, you know, with Ooh, the luchador what? mask on and a suit. Can go. you see me
0: showing up at a I, government staff meeting in a, in a luchador mask?
2: <laughs> once, and <laughs> that'll be the end. Show, show
1: me in the uh, in the documentation where this is not allowed.
2: Right. right. So that's. Yeah, so I mean I I kind of feel like cuz we're we're actually going to be doing more of like a player etiquette episode at some point in time mm-hmm. just general player etiquette so yeah, a lot yeah. of this will kind of you know uh, wrap around that situation but there is a special way to you know conduct yourself uh you know with some you know dignity and respect when you are a player at the table and not just sit there and feel like you know this person running the game owes you you know, every red penny of that four four to fifteen dollars that you spent. And if they didn't, you know, provide that to you, then you're gonna, you know, just, you know, want a refund. It's it's like I said, yeah. it, it's a two way street. And maybe maybe that's my Midwestern uh, you know, sensibilities coming in, even though I'm from California, you you can take the Hoosier out of Indiana, but you can't take Indiana out of the Hoosier. Mm, uh but God. uh stop. Uh, hey, you know, I, I bought two of those Hoosier GM shirts. You know, I, I should have bought five. <laughs> oh, my They're horrible. Uh, <laughs> horrible. But, but, yeah. All right. So, we got, we yes. have
0: one last um oh. listener question so we can wrap this
2: up. Let me read and, it. And let me read it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay, I'm nervous now.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to, I was going to read okay, it. Okay. Go but, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, but okay. but it,
2: it's got, no, no, go read it. But it's got to be in the form of a convention question. So
0: well, I'll let you do it then.
2: All right. So, so, this is from our uh, good friend Nate, uh, who uh, writes to you from uh, the maximum security prison up in northern Maine. Uh, Josh, what is the average airspeed velocity of a laden oh. swallow if he's running a game at a convention?
1: See, running it in Africa or Europe, I guess would be the.
2: And there we go. Thank you everyone. <laughs> Good night. Looking forward to that hit or Python
1: game. No way that oh, can go badly. Yes. <laughs> I'm throwing so, my money at that one.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. excellent. So, um before we wrap up Josh, uh yes. where can everyone find you? Uh not just, you know, you on the social media's, but but your games. You are a prolific, you know, game designer, writer and all sorts of wonderful things. You you've been in both sides of everything, not just running games, but Creating them and selling them. So where where can they find you and these these uh, wonderful things you've done?
1: So Hex Games is a game company I'm part of. Been part of for several years. It's where I've met uh, some of the best friends I've ever had. Uh, that's where we do a whole bunch of stuff. I'm just but a small part of it. Uh, they're the maker of Quags, Hoomancer, uh, and more recently have put out Leighton Connor's Akashic Titan stuff and Steve Johnson's uh, Tales of Lusty Minotaur stuff. Uh, and then my stuff. That's uh, pretty much just me and a couple other people uh, is uh, JLHB Polytechnic, mm-hmm. uh, which is where crepuscular magazine comes from dungeons and draw or er, and Draculas and all that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's all on RPG now. And some of it's on itch and some of it's at exalted funeral. Okay. And do you have anything coming up? I am currently working on the long awaited crepuscular uh, Two. Uh, triumph over the grave which is the second issue of my dcc centric fanzine uh this one's going to be in full color i'm very excited about it um that should be out i uh it's supposed to be out by before february because zine quest uh the next zine quest starts in february and i've got stuff on the kit for that and then i'm also currently working on sword bastards which is my uh well, it was supposed to be a fantasy satire and just became fantasy the way I run it I'm actually gonna be running that at Archon next weekend which will be excellent. exciting excellent
0: fantastic all right
2: so, well there we go I am sure just like with anything that we do on titter pigs everyone's going to agree 100 with what was with what was said on this episode Well, why wouldn't they and exactly exactly that. no exception fellow. So when we'll we'll, we'll transcribe transcribe this as a how to run a game at a con. So uh, definitive. The, yes, we'll the put it out as
0: the Titter Pig's definitive guide, yep. according to Josh Burnett. Broke no,
1: <laughs> broke no discussion or dissent.
2: <laughs>
1: Excellent. <laughs> Good day, sir. Well, thank you, Josh. <laughs>
2: uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Would would definitely yeah, like to, to have here, you, uh, have you back on again? You know, for for Please. other things that you that are in your wheelhouse and uh yeah look look forward to uh you know in getting more involved in all the wonderful things that you do so Thank you. uh anything else keith you like that
0: i just want to say hey from the east coaster in the room thanks for being here being part of titter pigs for this episode um as somebody who has intimately run conventions for years, uh, although I'm on hiatus right now, until Scott and I decide we're going to do Scott. Yeah. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for doing what you do to run cons at games. Yes. And, or run mm-hmm. games at cons. Scott. I can't talk anymore. That too. Yeah. Um, you know, and to entertain people. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, so thank you. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you uh, on behalf of all of our listeners. Yes. Take care, everyone.
2: Hello, listeners. Scott here. Hope you enjoyed that episode. I just want to take a moment to let you know what's coming soon from Titterpigs and also some changes to our coming schedule. Unfortunately, due to Hurricane Ian, we've had to reschedule our chat with Ken Hyde about alt history and gaming. We are hoping to get Ken back on real soon, probably near the end of October, and get that episode out to you as soon as possible. Coming up next, though, we'll be talking with Parable Games about their popular horror RPG, Shiver. After that, we'll be hoping to get Flagbear Games in to talk about their historical RPG, Nations and Cannons. Um, someone may want to talk to Keith. I think we're seeing a historical trend here. Anyways, just want to close with a reminder to all of our listeners that if you'd like to make a comment about the show, drop us a recorded message, suggest topics, or even see about getting onto an episode of Titterpigs, please drop us an email at titterpigspod at gmail.com. Thank you one and all for listening.